Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Happy uh, Wednesday, hump day if you will. You are more than halfway through your work week. So on the way home to the weekend, but it is a big week in the NBA and a big week for the champion Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets uh, make a move today. We talked about it yesterday. Obviously, during the trade, Calvin Booth, the GM of the Nuggets, made a move uh, during the finals to obtain a pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder. That would have that was the first round pick for next year. The Nuggets, who had 37 and 40 in the second round, uh, according to sources, by the way, Adrian Wojnarowski and Tim McMahon of ESPN with that. But according to sources, Calvin Booth has done what we thought he would do and found a way to move up in the draft. That is likely to be the case. They flip that 2024 first round pick that they got from Oklahoma City and the 40th pick, the second of their two. They flipped them to the Indiana Pacers, one of the teams that yesterday we talked about. It's a team that was likely to move out. They had five picks in the draft, including three first-rounders. They were not likely to pick three first-rounders. They do make a deal with the Pacers. They now have the 29th and the 32nd overall pick. So as it stands today, the Nuggets now have 29, 32, and 37 in tomorrow's draft. And, And that's... Interesting, because it's also worth noting that as fully expected, there is a there was virtually zero doubt this would happen. Bruce Brown opted out, is going to opt out of his player option for $6.8 million. So he declined that. He will become a free agent, although there is interest on both sides, the Nuggets and in Browns, in bringing him back and finding a way to make that work. But you can't make the assumption, because once that option is declined, and he has the opportunity to become a free agent, by the way, that starts on the 30th. Players can be signed a few days after that, but negotiations can start on the 30th, so just about a week and a half from now. Uh, it's possible that someone may scoop in uh, and grab Bruce Brown with an offer that he simply can't refuse. But regardless of whether they get Brown back or not, the truth of the matter is because of the impact of the new CBA, which goes into effect in July, the Nuggets find themselves in a spot where they have the sixth highest payroll in the NBA. They are right at the verge of the second luxury tax apron as it stands. And to make sure that they don't do that, they need to be able to get a younger cost control players. And that means rookies, especially rookies that have a, a few years on the contract and first rounders get that extra year option that uh, you can make a couple different deals with that. Of course, it also first rounders get their contract fully guaranteed whereas second-rounders don't. Another reason that it's easier to move back up into the bottom of the first round if you want, because a lot of teams aren't necessarily willing to commit uh, that guaranteed contract to a player they don't know if is going to be substantially better. So I right. think Calvin Booth, Sandy, is doing kind of what, one of what I suggested yesterday. He's sort of going the money ball route. He's trying to find value where other teams don't have that value, and that's in part because the Nuggets don't need it. They're not going exactly into this draft right. going for a star. Exactly right. Good for Calvin Booth, and he's done... Uh... Uh, a couple of things that uh, have been unusual, uh, perhaps even unprecedented when you put the two together. He made a deal during the NBA Finals with his team in the NBA Finals. Right. I can't remember if I've ever heard of that happening before. And that set up this deal that they pulled off today with Indiana a couple of days before the draft. And this is a world champion now making pre-draft deals. Now, I understand they only involve draft picks and not existing players, but 
he is looking to fill spots, perhaps the final three or four spots on the roster. Mm -hmm. And I would think with three picks now in relatively the same area of the draft, kind of in the middle, he would be looking to hit on maybe one of those three. And he might need two if Brown leaves. But it's extremely low risk. They're not trading any current asset. And it's not as if they're... And they're improving their possibilities for finding a player with a particular skill set or even a particular skill. Forget about set. Just a particular skill among three players that, as of now, they will be drafting on Thursday night. And for the Nuggets fans, this should be exciting because, look, if the Nuggets are as good as as they could be, that first-round pick is going to be around that 29 area anyway. It's not going to be substantially better. And so, well, the one they traded to Charlotte was the twenty seventh, right? So they're 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 still in the all in the, but getting in the neighborhood, that pick back. right? And so now, when they're still in that neighborhood, uh, you're what you're doing is accelerating the process so you can add these players right now to augment a team uh, with an opportunity to go and, and and repeat. And maybe not only we talk about uh, just this year, but you've talked about it, Sandy, more like a, a modern dynasty, like. Uh, the Golden State Warriors had been, it doesn't necessarily mean you win multiple in a row. Maybe the Nuggets try to win, and maybe they win two in three years. Maybe that's the way it goes, and and that's still a, a phenomenal run for them. But they're trying to keep that window open, and they're not waiting. They're being aggressive in doing it. When you look at the salary situation now that, that Bruce Brown has opted out, Bruce Brown can jump to $7.8 million, basically $7.8 for the Nuggets if they get him to resign. But uh, Jeff Green is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Ish Smith is an unrestricted free agent. Thomas Bryant, unrestricted free agent. Right. Reggie Jackson, the same thing. DeAndre Jordan, same thing. So all those guys on the bench are unrestricted free agents. Now, the Nuggets have some flexibility because you could use veterans minimums and perhaps uh, a guy like Jeff Green or if for some reason if they wanted DeAndre Jordan back, it's also a possibility. Colin Gillespie and Jack White, Gillespie missed the whole season with injury, are both restricted free agents on two-way contracts. They're not going anywhere. Uh, White out of Duke, captain two years there, and actually had a, a moments. You might see him in summer league. Uh, the other, otherwise, there are no players with any questions on their contract. Everybody else is on the books for next year. The next decision that has to come up is Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, would have a player option for uh, the the season after the 2024, 2025. And then the big one, Jamal Murray, uh, his contract wraps up after the 24-25 season, and obviously the Nuggets are going to want to get something done there. Uh, and that same offseason, Aaron Gordon also has a player option, but that player option is at $23.9 million. Yeah. Uh, that mu- That isn't as much of a slam dunk to move on from that as, say, Bruce Brown's was at 6.8. Right. So the, the Nuggets for the next two seasons are good to go if they especially find a way to get uh, Bruce Brown back, but regardless, by picking Christian Brown and Peyton Watson in the first round last year, these guys aren't even restricted free agents until the summer of 2026. So that's what you're trying to add because anybody you pick uh, in the first round will now be the summer of 2027. Second round is not guaranteed necessarily, but you have options galore. So for the for the Nuggets, 
uh, things are looking pretty good. And in this draft, Sandy, given the fact that as it stands, the current value for teams is for much younger guys who are looking for stars. Uh, you go to a, a site like NBADraft.net, one of the long-time ranking sites, including Victor Wambayana, who's going to go number one to San Antonio. That's a foregone conclusion. Bilal Koulibaly also plays for that same team uh, out in France. And besides those two guys, who are, by the way, mind you, young, the top 11 guys on that list are freshmen. If you want to go to find your first upperclassman at all, it's junior Chris Murray from Iowa, who's at 16. The next junior is at 25. That's Julian Strother from Gonzaga. And the first senior available is Jaime Jaquez out of UCLA at 27, who, by the way, is um, a heck of a player. Could you imagine the Nuggets being able to, say, scoop up a player like that at 29? It's not impossible. Well, they could take uh, a UCLA kid at 29 and a Kansas kid at the 37th pick, which is the one they still have. Uh, the 40th is gone, of course. Right. But they also have 32 yeah. now sitting there as well. 32 as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, there is a lot. They could go the route they went last year. Right. Maybe not in the same order because the UCLA kid is probably a slightly better prospect and Peyton Watson was a freshman coming out obviously he played minimal time but 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 there's going to be guys has been around yeah these are guys that can contribute and and that can contribute immediately and while other teams aren't necessarily valuing that for the Nuggets they happen to now have three picks right in that sweet spot where you can find juniors and seniors on blue blood programs that have been winning at high level final four level program and and a, a lot of them do have flaws and were helped by a combination of uh, good coaching, uh, surrounding cast uh, that could fill their shortcomings, mm-hmm. <laughs> could compensate for But that's where they'll be coming to but, on but this that's team. Exactly. Is there a team that needs less out of the draft in the NBA than the Denver Nuggets do? And they got three picks. So you're talking about finding one or maybe two whose skills you can combine to give you something you don't have. And what they don't have right now is a true backup point guard and a true backup center, assuming they will wave goodbye to Reggie Jackson and yes. Thomas Bryant. As well as Ish Smith as well. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think you are looking for that while everyone's looking for wings uh, the Nuggets don't have to go that route. You certainly can because the league is going that way. And if you if you do lose Bruce Brown and you could get a guy, and Hakez let's, and Wilson let's say like a, like a Hakez, who's a, w- yeah. a very good defensive player and has a high basketball IQ, would be a very good fit. But you're right. I think you're looking for a, a true uh, pass-first ball-handling guard and a bigger body to help back up Nikola Jokic. And we know that the Nuggets wanted these things because they brought in Reggie Jackson and traded for Thomas Bryant. It just didn't work. But that, those were the exact positions that they brought in. Oh, absolutely. And it, it didn't work, but there was nothing really lost in the exchange. It, it wasn't as if they yeah, gave they up. Won their first championship. Clearly, they gave up players yeah. who were uh, 
assets or, or promising. Thomas Bryant prospects. was the second round pick, and they just signed right. Reggie Jackson off yeah. the you know That's off right. the street. So That's I mean, right. it, it it wasn't costly, but they, you can tell where they'd like to go, and there are a lot of options there. You can look at guys like Marcus Sasser and Isaiah Wong, both uh, point guards out of right. teams that went an awful long way in Houston and Miami. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're talking about those guys. That are, that are listed by a lot of those mock drafters in that 35 to 40 well, range. If they're targeting one or two guys and you've got three picks right. in the area in which they'll you be drafted, maneuver. your chances are reasonably good that you can get that guy or even those guys. Uh, you may have to maneuver a little bit to do it, but that, that was what they gained at, at the most important thing they gained from that Oklahoma City trade made during the NBA Finals was the 24 uh, first, first round. Pick. Yeah, because that could be flipped. And, and now they've managed to do that. But, you know, if they happen to hit on guys they want, uh, you can also take that third pick. You can trade it. Or you that's your drafting stash. You know, you can yeah. do that as well. You can right. grab a guy like a James Najee who's playing out in Barcelona, and you can just let him stay there. Leave him there. Yeah, and let him do, let him do his thing. And so the Nuggets find themselves in really uh, uh, an almost – comically favorable position for being the champs <laughs> and, and, and is in a new sort of salary cap area where most of the teams that are that are good teams are really in a challenging or almost impossible salary exactly. cap spot trying to catch the team the nuggets that are already ahead of the game uh, give credit to calvin booth and and to tim Connolly because uh, some of these contracts happened before that as well yeah and i i think calvin booth ahead of it. made it pretty clear that before the season started, he he would not have done what Tim Connolly decided to do with respect to Michael Porter, but there's never been any indication from Calvin Booth that he would have done anything different than Tim Connolly did with Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray. Right. Now, if you make one mistake on a max player, you know, it, it leaves you in a position, which we talked about before on this program, where at some point within the next two or three years, there might be a time that creates for them a choice between Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. You may not be able to afford to keep both. But beyond that dilemma, which is years down the road, I don't see any obvious difficulties with the Nugget payroll heading into the 23-24 season. And the guy or guys they may end up drafting tomorrow night aren't going to command much money. No, and not for a while. I mean, you know, Christian Brown. Uh, Christian Brown's not even making $3 million next year. No, and, and even in the final year of his deal before he's a restricted free agent, he still doesn't quite make five. So that that's and that's the area they're picking in again. So you have guys that they're going to max out in multiple years at about five million. And by that point, you know, the cap continues to grow a little bit as well. So uh, they really are in good shape. Now, yes, uh, Jamal Murray comes up and he'll need a max deal. But again, he's already on a max deal. He'll just need the new max deal. And uh, the Nuggets, of course, will move heaven and earth to make sure that that happens. I think you're right. I think eventually down the road. But we're still talking not next season, not even the season not after the that. Season. You're talking about, you know, the 2020, you know, 2020 uh, six summer that you have to maybe well, decide just, between Porter Jr. and Just Gordon? compare, and I'm not saying they'll enjoy uh, similar good fortune, but just compare where they were two years ago at this time to where they are now to tell you how much things can change. And it wasn't just the return of Murray and Porter. 
it was the drafting of Christian Brown. Uh, it was the, the signing of Bruce Brown. It was the trade for Contavious Caldwell Pope. None of those moves could have been anticipated or forecast two years ago. Nope. So a lot can change, even with the most stable of franchises. Sure. In the modern-day NBA over a two-year period, and, and really with respect to any sport that we can think of, at least, that would qualify as a major professional sport. That certainly has a, a salary cap. I mean, right. uh, it, that certainly matters. So, you know, maybe I guess not And, in and baseball, the salary cap a business, I, I know, leaves your head spinning if you're listening to oh, all yeah. this. Oh my God. And the NHL system with a hard cap is much easier to understand. Remember when we were talking about the avalanche? free agents at almost this time a year ago. Mm-hmm. It was closer to being July, yeah. right? About three weeks. July yeah, yeah. than it was mid-June or late June. But we were talking about fairly specific numbers because we knew exactly where the avalanche stood with respect to the cap pretty much forecast what they could do and what they couldn't do. Yeah, they, I, I I was a little surprised, actually, that they signed as many of their unrestricted free agents as they did. Mm-hmm. I was not surprised they lost Kadri. Uh, I was not surprised that Kadri didn't get the $9 million deal he was looking for. The Avalanche certainly couldn't afford him at those prices. And as it turns out, nobody else in the league either could afford him or thought he was worth it. And as, that. It's, as expected, and it's no knock on him. He, he, had, a he had a career year. And he regressed so after that. In that expected. sense, his timing was pretty good, but he's in his thirties and him. no one thought he'd have anything like that kind of season again, unless he came back with the avalanche and everything else was more or less exactly as it was. And that was never going to be true. Right. Right, and he had a good, he had a good year. Obviously, he had a good year. Fifty-six but points, but JD Comfer had a good year for yeah. the Avalanche, and their level of production was basically the same. So it it it, it was interesting to me to hear at the end of the year. Well, the Avs miss Kadri because they don't have a second line center. Well, as close to a second line center as they had this year, Comfer was within what five points of. Kadri in overall production, 57-52, something like uh, that? This year. I mean, not the year that Kadri was with the Avs where he had No, no, I'm 80. talking but about yes, but this, this year. But this year, yeah. And and, and I, it wasn't as if they put him on a third or fourth no. line in Calgary. No, he was actually a top liner in, in Calgary. So, I mean, that's a different well, situation for some, of the, some time. of the time. Some. And so, yeah, it, it, it does it does matter to an extent, but you're, you're exactly right. Part of the the trick of a salary cap league is making sure that you, to a certain extent, if you're a Calvin Booth, which I don't think this is a problem for him, you have to take your emotions out of it. This, these are math problems. And when, uh, like you pointed out there with uh, with Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick and Nas Kadri, they realized, look, Kadri uh, had a year that was statistically a complete anomaly. He was almost 30 points better than his career best. And is not a guy that had played a small amount of hockey. So and he reverted to his career to average. His career this average. Year. So I'm not going to overpay. Remember the one thing about free agency, and you hear about it most in the NFL because obviously things aren't as guaranteed. But you're not being paid in free agency for what you did. Smart teams pay someone in free agency based on what they think they're about to do, whether that's better or worse. 
And that's what you try to do. And you'll notice the teams that do that better than others are the teams that handle the cap better than others. You don't necessarily pay a guy for the what he's done in the past because Sandy nailed it. A lot changes. You should be trying to gauge what will he do going forward, and that should be your choice. And I think Kadri's position is one of the interesting ones to take a look at because you're right. Uh, the Avs basically got the same performance for about half the money from JT Comper as they did in Nas Kadri. That's just how free agency works in every sport. So what, what can you do for me next? Not what did you do for me. I know it's cold-blooded, but it's a business. Uh, you can ask Chris Paul who found out about his trade-off. Well, in a hard salary cap sport, you can't afford to pay somebody after what was clearly a career year as if that, was that norm. were the average level of production from that player. You, you can't do it in a cap sport. Nobody can. In a hard cap sport. I'm not talking about... 55,000 exceptions that you can go over and various aprons now that exist under the new uh, CBA. And if you've got enough money, in other words, if you're Matt Ashiba in in Phoenix, you can go over any number of aprons, I suppose, in in pursuit of a championship contending team. But that doesn't mean you'll be one just because you have a lot of money to spend. What do you want the Nuggets to do? The call and text line is 303-831-1340. They have three picks. All of a sudden, three picks in this draft, including a first-rounder. We'll talk more about it next on Miley Sports. Maybe we'll be friends. I guess we'll see. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Nuggets make a move today to take their two picks, turn it into three picks in that, as Sandy correctly put, middle of the draft. Obviously, I think after you get Nikola Jokic 41st, uh, you have to look at the whole draft. But I don't think they're looking for that kind of player, and you never hope you're getting that lucky again. But the way that things have split out in the NBA draft now, the idea of trying to get a, a young star that you can maximize things with has led teams to pursue underclassmen younger and younger and younger. The, the, the thought was there was possible that the new CBA might have, gotten rid of the one-and-done idea in college, which we're seeing because obviously the majority of the players that are going to be picked are going to be from that in the lottery, if not almost exclusively. That didn't happen. Uh, there's, there's, We're not going back to the LeBron James era of coming right out of high school and into the draft, for better or for worse. And that means, again, that player, the teams go younger and younger all the time. That gives the Nuggets an opportunity, in this case, to get a more polished player who is more ready to contribute in the limited minutes that they need to try to make this run again. And that's independent of whether Bruce Brown comes back or not. Now, I I still think at this point, if you were to ask me the likelihood, I think it's about a 55, 45 chance that Bruce Brown comes back. It hasn't changed. Right. Uh, And and we... Because this isn't this a shock. would happen. This is not a surprise that he would decline the player option no. for 23-24. Weird if he didn't. 
But if you felt that the odds were favorable on his coming back next year, yesterday at this time, you don't feel any different about it. You don't feel any differently about it today just because he did what he was expected to do and opted out. Other than Gary Trent, I don't know of any player of any consequence to any team. Gary Trent plays for Toronto, and he did accept that option for next year. It's something like $18 million, I believe. Everyone else, including Draymond Green and Bruce Brown and Kuzma down in Charlotte, Mm -hmm. they all declined their option for next year. So most of them do. Most all of them do. Occasional exceptions, as is the case with Gary Trent, but it's not a surprise, and there's nothing preventing the Nuggets from offering two years and $15 million to Bruce Brown. Right. Nothing. No, you can do, you can do that. Right. So it's a, it, it seems as if this is going to be, uh, the, the odds are still pretty good that, that they'll be back, but we, we'll find out. Uh, the Nuggets have to act as if he won't. Oh, because, of course. Because once he hits. Oh, you have to cover yeah, your bases. Once, once you actually become, you know, you take that option and become a free agent. You have to understand. And People I, forget that free agent includes the word free. Right. And, and it, it just takes one team to come out with some, bonkers deal that even Bruce Brown is like, oh, well, I better take that. And if it's a and, team and it becomes like out of your control. Houston and they offer a lot of money, sure, their championship prospects for next year aren't very good, but being a well-paid elder statesman on a team <laughs> that could 26. conceivably, right, that's how young Houston is, but could conceivably be decent in a couple of years. And maybe a contender. I mean, we've talked about this all week. Who in the West, other than Denver and Sacramento, seems especially stable right now? My answer to that is basically no one who's any good. Right. Now, uh, you know, the Spurs are going to get Wembenyama, but they're not going to all of a sudden become instant title contenders. Remember LeBron James, the greatest prospect ever to come into an NBA draft with the possible exception of Lou Alcindor later to become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar spent his first two years in Cleveland on a team that didn't make the playoffs in either year. When Benyama is going to come in and the Spurs are going to be in the playoffs next year. I don't think so. Although that I don't think they even no I don't think so but I mean that that's another one of those teams I guess if Bruce Brown is certainly a Greg Popovich type of player uh, you could see a scenario I I guess that's one of the teams you're like hey I'd like a guy like that to mentor a Wembanyama and maybe with this will come quickly Uh, I I guess Bruce Brown could help twenty to twenty five teams in his league right now if there were twenty to twenty five teams in this league who could afford him and some of the ones that are in a competitive spot can't afford him Uh, we got a text uh, Danny as well. We do. Is it fair to compare the Avs front office and the Nuggets front office and view Booth as doing a better job than McFarland to maximize their respective team's championship window, or is it too early to say that? That's from Joe. Well, I don't they're, think they're, so. both, they're, they're both champions. I mean, the Avalanche from 
uh, two years ago. Right. I understand are no longer champions, but they, they were until what two weeks ago. And they would have had an awfully <laughs> they, good they chance of repeating the if they weren't hit by right, right. significant injuries right. and a bizarre so, situation so, with Valeria Nijushin. And, and they won fifty plus games this year. Um, assuming the Nuggets will repeat next year. I mean, they are the favorites to do it, but remember, they're the favorites at a plus 475. I mean, I think, I, I personally think, because of the nature of the NBA, uh, which is dramatically changing, but I think it, it, it what Calvin Booth has done was probably more difficult to pull off. The Avalanche, remember, the Avalanche's reputation around... Uh, as a, as a hockey team is essentially sterling. P- people want to go play for the Avalanche. Up until right now, the Denver Nuggets were still, as you know, as wa- watching the playoffs, considered sort of an oddball curiosity from the state that never played. So I think Booth uh, did a slightly better job. But, but who's Booth to complain? Also they both have championship rings. A salary cap that has, as I said earlier, 55,000 exceptions to, to it and ways around it. Right. And even in the new CBA, Yes, it makes it exceedingly difficult to put a super team together, but it still is not the hard cap that the NHL is operating under. And so you knew the Avalanche wouldn't have the same team, that they'd have to give up at least one player who was in 21-22 of considerable value to them. We didn't know for sure which one it would be. We thought most likely it would be Kadri, but we couldn't be sure that it would be just Kadri. And again, uh, I, I know they lost people who had value. Burakovsky, for example, sure. also left, and he was a street scorer, but a productive player for the Stanley Cup champions of. 21-22, but with a hard cap, I I do think that boxes you in. So it's a bit of an apples and oranges comparison, and I think the last phrase that the texter used, too soon to tell, is applicable here. Yeah, and I also don't know if it matters. Because there are a lot of things you have to find. I really don't know if it matters. I mean, one won a championship you know, a week ago. One won a championship a year ago, it's not like which one is Batman and which one is Robin. It's like, which one is Batman and which one is Spider-Man? Do you care? I mean, they're both doing a tremendous job. Well, It's obviously and, and, very, and going and very let's, well. Let's be mindful of the fact that, technically speaking, Chris McFarlane was not the general manager with day-to-day operational control until this past year. Correct. Right. But he did have a significant was role a and clearly proved to Joe Sackick that it would be probably not all that much of a change if Sackick were to relinquish day-to-day operational control and give it to McFarlane. They had worked hand-in-hand together quite well. Right. And Joe just didn't want the day-in, day-out responsibility. So he, quote-unquote, moved upstairs and became the president. Uh, The Nuggets had that kind of arrangement, but even though he had the title of president, Tim Connolly was effectively the general manager because there was no GM. There was an assistant GM and a president over the last several years of Tim Connolly's reign here in Denver, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. No, you're you're, you're correct. the Avalanche right now of a president and general manager, the Nuggets do not have 
a, a president who has influence. It, Calvin Booth and Michael Malone working yeah. in tandem. And uh, Jared Bednar, I think, has roughly the influence of a Michael Malone mm-hmm. on moves that the as well as well he should make as, both, as well both he champions should. both got, yeah and once you win a uh, cup uh, you you get you, you get you a little probably you get to flex won. a little bit you probably had some influence before but you'll have at least as much after you win uh yeah absolutely so i think when you you take a look at this situation with both of these i mean you're just in good shape i mean that they've been handed off and they've you could make the argument and i don't know if we're going to end up saying in the end that um Chris McFarland was a better GM than Joe Sackick. That's going to be a, a, a very high bar. But I don't think, and I, I quite frankly like and respect what Tim Connolly did. I would not find it shocking. In fact, I quite frankly even expect it that when their careers are said and done, I think we're going to find that Calvin Booth may have been a better GM for the Nuggets than Tim Connolly. I mean, I think Calvin I agree Booth is the right guy at the right time. Uh, I, I He's I got the absolute right he mindset. He was certainly qualified through years of experience, including... His time with the Nuggets prior to taking over as GM, it wasn't like he just came on the scene and all of a sudden here he is being offered the GM's job. He was here in 2017, for goodness sake. His time here more or less equates with Murray's time here and is a little shorter than Jokic's, but not by much, a couple years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not much at all. And so I think when you look at the way this all fits together, you know, they're in in great shape. Look, they're, they're doing it right down at, at Ball Arena. I don't know what else you can say. I mean, we've, we've talked about it before a little bit. The uh, the KSC crew, when it comes to uh, winning, you have the the Nuggets, you have the Avalanche, you have the Rams. Uh, they're, they're rolling. I, I don't know what else you can really say about it. So uh, that's good because the truth is that the, any city that's got the majority of those teams is Denver. And it appears that, you know, even though they've been at this now for a couple decades, it appears that the ownership group there uh, primarily really you know Stan Kroenke and then and family but the the ownership there seems to now f- come to an understanding in multiple different ways of handling caps and sports on how to build contenders and how to build contenders somewhat consistently that's obviously great news for Nuggets fans and Avalanche fans and and uh not at maybe all maybe they could lend their expertise to the local oh baseball nine expertise I mean you Give him a tip, a hint, uh, anything. We'll have actually Give Drew Creaseman of uh, Mile High Sports join us at the. Uh, yeah, they got a little extra money sitting around now. Of course, so do the Rockies. They have the money. They just don't spend it wisely. We'll talk to Drew Creaseman about them at the top of the hour. But I do want to get more of your feedback here. We'll take a look at Bruce Brown. The guess is, hope is that he is more likely to be back than not. But what if he isn't? What do the Nuggets do? Do they fix it in this draft? Do they look somewhere outside? We'll discuss it next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, of course, this is your show. You can always communicate with us on that caller text line 303-831-1340. The Nuggets now with three picks in the upcoming draft tomorrow, 29, 32, and 37. And we're getting... uh, some text about the ideas of what the Nuggets should do. Also, Bruce Brown opts out, as expected, 
of his uh, player option and will become a free agent, though a return to the Nuggets is certainly not out of the question. Uh, Danny Bailey in the booth uh, monitoring the text there. What have we got, Danny? This one from Colby. Hey, Sandy and Sean, what do you guys think of Nikhil Alexander-Walker? I think he can replace some of the skill set that Bruce Brown has if Brown leaves. Thank you and love the show. I actually really like Alexander Walker uh, a lot. I think that's that is a kind of player that would be a, a good choice. Obviously, when you're talking about some of the options to, to replace uh, Bruce Brown, it would be difficult when you're looking at free agents. You have to make sure that you're looking, Sandy, at uh, unrestricted free agents because restricted free agents, the Nuggets aren't going to get into that of business because they just don't have the cap space to do right. it. Right. And, uh, you know, I look at the small forward group and I see Chris Middleton who I can't imagine would be wouldn't leaving fit Milwaukee. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't fit under fit the deal anyway. anyway. Uh, uh, and of course uh, Dylan Brooks. Now that the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> clearly want to keep Chris Middleton and the Memphis Grizzlies have said under no circumstances will they retain uh, Dylan Brooks who is 27 and I actually think Dylan Brooks will end up going to a team that's either a seller-dwelling team or very close to that for a fair amount of money. Or desperate. He's 27 years old. I, I, I don't know that it would necessarily matter that much uh, for a young team if they gave him a shot, uh, even if it cost them some money if they're way under the cap. Um, again, I'm I'm just thinking of teams in the West. See, I'm, I'm who the could, opposite. Could use him. I think that's the kind of guy that that at this I, at this point the Lakers would take a stab at. I I wouldn't go near him. I wouldn't go near him. The Lakers can't afford him anyway. Um, somebody else, somebody else will offer him more than the Lakers do, and he'll have a choice to make. Uh, he can take a modest deal on a team that's decent, kind of a prove-it deal, right? because he should be on a prove-it deal. <laughs> yeah. I, I know he's been an all-defensive team player, and rightfully so. He's a good defensive player. But he thinks he's an equally good offensive player, and he's not. And maybe if you've won 20 games, 25 games this past year, you don't really care about that. Maybe you think you have a strong coach. You can make him change his ways and you know, give him an opportunity to become a leader, change his ways, become a leader. You have gifts that you were a leader at Oregon, but still kind of a, you still cause same problems, problems there. Yeah, same problems. You still cause some problems there. You come here, you'll be given every chance. We'll wipe the slate clean. I don't think a team that aspires to be a contender has that luxury with somebody that volatile or volcanic even. Given uh, Alexander Walker's case, and like I said, the, the Nuggets are not going to be in the restricted free agent market. He is a restricted free agent. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I thought yeah. he was because I've been looking yeah. at unrestricted free agents and I don't The qualifying offer name. alone would be $7 million. That's about $2 million more than he made. I would expect uh, Minnesota to do that. Now, they are uh, dealing with their own sort of cap crunches at the moment. Yeah. Did, did, I mean, we saw a little bit of them in the playoffs. Right? Yeah, but Were I, you I don't overwhelmingly think, impressed. No, but I, I, I do like him. But I, but I think if if the qualifying offer alone is seven million, and I do think they exercise it, I think I'd rather just see if Bruce Brown can take seven point eight. Okay. 
And uh, <laughs> you think, yeah, but because because I mean, if it goes much higher than that, you can't really add Alexander Walker anyway, and you're not going to get in that battle with uh, with no. Minnesota. So I, I I like the player. I don't think it's in the cards for the Nuggets. I don't think he's a realistic option for them to pursue. They're going to have to look at unrestricted uh, free agents, which Bruce Brown will uh, will 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 be. But I think the 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 kind of player you're talking is right. Now we've talked the about the only it. player on Minnesota's roster huh. who is an unrestricted the free agent. Slightest interest in would be Nas, Nas Reed. Absolutely. Now uh, I don't think they're going to let him go. I don't either. But if they do, if I were the Nuggets, yes, I would be. Uh, I would be seeing if I could maneuver there. That would be an outstanding uh, fit for the Nuggets. But I just don't think that's going to be. Talk the about case. Uh, someone who could fill Jeff Green's minutes and more. Yeah, and give you legitimate. I, I, I give him Green's minutes and about ten more. And a, as as Nikola Jokic's backup in the middle. Yes, but also a guy who can mm-hmm. play with Jokic. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Nas Reed would be the perfect fit. And Gordon fit. and Porter. I just don't think that Minnesota's foolish enough to let him go. And if he is, I think there are teams that would be willing to outbid the, the Nuggets for his services, quite frankly. I'm sure there would unless, be. Uh, unless he's really beaten up, so beaten up oh. that uh, people would be nervous about it. Oh, but I, I don't think that's the case. But that's me, now, me too. Now, I look did at Minnesota, I read, that's I, I've I read so many that. stories. I thought I read a story that suggested that Oddly, for a unrestricted free agent, he's been working out at the team facility with teammates, right? As if he still expects, expects to be part to be of the back. team. Yeah, and, and everything that that I've heard about Minnesota is that they very much want to make it work. As a matter of fact, he is listed uh, by multiple people in Minnesota who write and cover that team as the their top off season priority is to retain Reed before going anywhere else. And so I suspect that probably. Uh, finds a way. To, Does to get keeping done. Reed involve trading towns? Doesn't yet, but it. But again, it like you're might. talking down. It might in, down within the, the year, yeah. year or two. It may end up being exactly that, and and that's an interesting and question I too. I would what do, do that get? because I think Reed's a better player than Towns. He certainly is going to make a lot less money, and, and and it's easy to 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 look at a guy like Reed, who's by the way only twenty. Isn't even quite twenty four. We'll turn twenty four nah, in the summer, and uh, that that's that's a no brainer. He's the, the best is, setter they have. You're not going to get the return for like Carl. Third yeah, you won't get the return on Carl Anthony Towns that you coughed up for Rudy Gobert. Put it that way. You're not getting that much back because it's just not happening. I mean, look look at what Washington just got for Bradley Beal, who two seasons ago was competing with Steph Curry toe to toe for the league scoring lead. Right. And they just well, got a collection a good, of... Bradley Beal's a good player. Carl Anthony Towns is a good player. Right. But they're treated as if they're great players. They're paid as if they're great players. And they are not. Just because you pay a guy a top five or a top ten salary doesn't mean you're getting a top five or a top ten player. Correct. And that, this is why for all the time we spend, Talking about contracts and caps and aprons and thresholds and uh, mid-level exceptions and everything else, I always come back to the question, can the guy play? And if so, at what level can he play? And more than any other organization, certainly in the last year, the Denver Nuggets have understood that distinction 
with maybe one exception, which had nothing to do with the current general manager's thinking because he wasn't the general manager at the time. Everyone is making pretty much what they should make right now. Right now, with years left on the deals of the core players. Yeah. The the only core player, and I would call Bruce Brown a core player. Certainly. I mean, he's a six starter in effect. Basically, yeah. Right? If you if you and were... and and he's not even making uh of course now he's he's declined the option, but had he for some unknown reason taken it, he would have been making six point eight million dollars right next year. And we all know he's worth at uh, least twice that. Yes. Yes. And 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 probably more and that's, than that's twice the that. concern for the Nuggets is that, you know, can is his desire to stick with the team and maybe uh put off a larger payday enough that it will be able to hold off the idea that all of a sudden, you know, the basketball contracts are totally guaranteed. Uh, you get that deal. I'll throw you two other names for ball handlers, though, that are out there that are kind of interesting that I would be curious about. I don't think I don't think one's going anywhere, but one it might be. And uh, the Nuggets vanquished them both. The one that I don't think is going anywhere is Gabe Vincent, who's an unrestricted free agent from uh, out, out of Miami. That they, they like him a lot. He's only 27. We saw he was able to perform pretty well. If I were the Nuggets and I'm looking for my my uh, guy off the bench that, that can be a ball handler, oh, sure. I'd like that for a fit. Uh, it were Brown to leave. The other one um, has a couple drawbacks, but I actually really do. I have liked his game for a long time. Would be Dennis Schroeder who will turn 30 yeah. in the offseason, but maybe one of those guys that is expendable to a Lakers team that has a lot of other expenses, even though Schroeder this year only made $2.6 million. Yeah, if, I, you, if you could get him for just a little around that four range for the Nuggets, that would be an outstanding oh, fit for me. I, I Off the bench, with, I think Schroeder would be great. He, he, again, he's one of the few Lakers, not the only one, but one of the few, whose actual value exceeds the contract. Yeah, and, and to, the money and he's making to a certain extent, even the statistical production as well. Uh, yeah, I, he's I a valuable he, player. Again, he's pretty good at maybe seven or eight million. Pretty good, seven eight million a year. Yeah, but the Lakers had it for two point six. Holy moly! He's <laughs> extremely valuable at two point six. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who can play twenty five to thirty minutes a game. Maybe you don't start him. But when he comes off the bench, there are things he can do. He's a good defensive player. He doesn't take wild shots. He's not the world's greatest shooter. But he does get hot at times. He can get streaky. And yet, I I don't remember watching him play in recent years and thinking, well, when he comes into the game, you're going to get two or three bad shots out of him the first four or five minutes. That's my thing. I look at him as a guy that is, as you like to say, he's not a mistake player. Uh, he he goes and does the right things on the you know turning thirty in the off season. I, I think that's a guy that might be a good fit too. But we'll we'll find out. Obviously, we're going to turn our you if and I'm not exactly sure what Miami's cap situation is. But wouldn't you find a way to keep Lowry, who to me in some ways, some way perhaps on a slightly lower level, is a younger version of Lowry. In Intruder? that he's a yep. competitor. I see that. He's a competitor. Now, I that doesn't that. mean, again... That's a, that's a nice that compliment. <laughs> he's, a, he's even a particularly good player. 
but I know he competes. But you're talking about a guy this I year, know he seventh or eighth man on the Nuggets. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take that I, all day. I, I would, I would say so, uh, and and I think he would fit with the Nuggets culture because he is competitive, and for that reason, I, I kind of think Miami will will find a way to bring him back. I mean, Lowry's 38 years yeah, old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think Lowry probably stays, and but but a Schroeder may not. You know, we'll I, I, I think I think Lowry stays. Uh, or you mean uh, Vincent? Okay, Vincent, Vincent, I think stays certainly. Stays. I can't imagine yeah, they yeah, let him go. Yeah, I, I I do agree with that because they see the same thing. If for some reason they don't, you have to uh, give his agent a quick call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, sure, but those are sure. two of the guys that again are right. completely unrestricted right. free agents that you can just pitch that might be fits. Those yeah. are potential Could fits. Be. By the way, our friends at Superbook are changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code Mile High, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. That means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet with up to $250 with promo code Mile High. Just download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code Mile High, and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We turn our attention from the champs to the chumps. Drew Kreisman will join us to talk about the Colorado Rockies next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.